welcome to Woo With Us. I'm Denise. And I'm Nicole, and we are your hosts. Going through a spiritual awakening alone is not easy, so we share our own journeys and explore spiritual topics as we align and enlighten our souls. We want you to join us and begin to believe in miracles, magic, and connecting with the other side. So with your heart and mind open, come woo with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Nicole, how are you this week? Good. How are you, Denise? Good. I know both of us are in the midst as we record this of uh, dealing with the back to school drama. So (laughs) we had some technical difficulties today. It felt like the universe was uh, trying to get me to not record this podcast today, but we found a way. And uh, I apologize in advance if there's any background noise because I've had to go to a different location because of those technical difficulties. So I will apologize now for that. Hopefully you don't even notice it. I can cut it out, but just in case you do. (laughs) So anyways, this week we are talking about sacred geometry. And, you know, for me, sacred geometry was like this, like I had heard about it before. I think the first time I had heard about it, I was... um, I got like a crystal. I was in like a crystal like mailing list where you could join this thing. And every month they sent you a bag of crystals. And at one point, one of my bags came with like a crazy shaped crystal. And I was like, what the heck is this? And it was like, oh, it's all about sacred geometry. And this is how you use it. And I probably have it somewhere around me, but, um, so that was kind of the first time I heard of it. And then in other podcasts, I would kind of hear it referenced occasionally, Um, just about how you can find it like in the universe. So it was, it was interesting to me to research this a little bit and kind of discover even deeper um, meaning into these things. And it's funny because as I go on, I'll tell you, like, I've even, I feel like I even notice it without even knowing what it is, you know, like as I started looking at this. So, so basically sacred, sacred geometry is the basis through which like the entire universe comes into being, if you want to think about it that way. Everything is really numbers. Everything is shapes. Everything is like, it comes down to these basic things. It's like the mathematical formulas that are um, the foundation upon our entire existence in nature. And um, they say that sacred geometry is a place where mind and matter, the spiritual and the physical the manifest and unmanifest, the bound and boundless meet. So you can kind of think about it as like an architect's blueprint. So if you just capture like a snapshot of just how integral to life the sacred geometry is, like just to have that basis, a triangle or a square, and we'll get into the shapes and everything, but it's so integral to how our entire existence came into being. It's kind of cool when you think about it and you can really go down pretty deep into the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can go pretty deep into your mind philosophically trying to think about all of the ways that this comes into being. So just as the blueprint informs the layout of how things work and the placement, spacing, and everything else of a building or a house, um, sacred geometry does the same thing for earth and the universe and space and everything and all of us even and all the things in our world from sound to to math to um feelings and emotions everything is like everywhere dna everything in our body is the sacred geometry 
And so it all comes down to that mathematical code. And if any of you out there are like super nerdy about like math and stuff, that you'd probably love this because some of it is like way over my head. Like I'm pretty sure I did geometry when I was in high school, but I don't know if I was really good at it. <laughs> so um, this is a little bit heady for me at times when I was going into it. So anyways, if all of nature is geometric, then you can kind of think of when you connect with nature, you're connecting with source, which I think we all know on a on a spiritual level, but when you look at it this way, it's like a reminder of this, this interconnectedness. And this, you know, it can point back to the 12 spiritual laws we did where oneness, everything is connected. And you can be reminded that everything comes from that same one place and everything returns to that same one place. And as you kind of dig into this and you explore and you're engaging with it, you will start to understand um, the basics of geometry and it kind of deepens your connection to that oneness, I think. For me, it did anyway. And like, so an example that I realized as I was doing research is a lot of times I'll notice patterns in certain things. And I think you even see this kind of on social media where people will put a picture out and they'll show you like the snail shell and it's that like circular and then it'll show you like the galaxies, the same shape. And I had an experience recently where I was flying across the country to California from the East Coast. And we flew over like the desert and the mountains. And I looked out the window and you could see all of the, the rivers coming down from like the mountains and they looked like veins. I mean, it was like, oh yeah. And I had this moment of like, yeah, it looks like veins. And then you think about leaves and the leaves have veins and your hands and your, the, the wrinkles in your hands. It's like, everything is so connected. And it's just cool to kind of find that in nature when you're like out and about, when you start learning about this, you start noticing it more. And so, as I said earlier, numbers are found at the core of everything. Um, they basically govern the universe from nature to sound, to energy, to sacred geometry, the human body, and basically everything in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, even the, um, even the internet ones and zeros, not that's not the internet, but computer code, the ones and zeros, numbers are really everything. It's like the language of the universe. And the sacred geometry is kind of helps lay it out so that we can see it and helps bring that vibration to a different level. Like I even feel like numbers, obviously are vibrational. We've probably talked about it before. You and I both see numbers. We believe angels, um, you know, send us the numbers or something about that frequency and vibration that numbers carry. Same thing I feel like with sacred geometry, you can do the same, the same idea. The, there's basic five sacred quote unquote shapes that are making up sacred geometry and they call them the platonic solids and they are named after the Greek philosopher Plato and he said each of these shapes corresponds with an element so earth fire air water and ether and they're congruent which means they have equal sides and equal angles and have the same number of faces that meet at the vertices and that again is um <laughs> my high school geometry coming into play there so the platonic solids are like the building blocks uh, upon which all of organic nature matter solids are constructed and you can find examples of this in nature in art in music in our language and I know Nicole's going to go a little bit into um, music with this as well so literally everything in the world can be traced to these shapes in one form or another 
flowers, trees, DNA, cell structure, sacred spaces, even like churches and mosques. Um, they were also created using these types of patterns. And many people believe that if you if you use these shapes and you and you kind of play with these shapes, it kind of opens up your communication channels to source. So let's get into the the five platonic uh, solids. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the tetrahedron. And forgive me if I mess up these names, guys, but um, I'm going to try. <laughs> so the tetrahedron is a three-dimensional symbol. It is a symbol of balance and stability as each side is flat, no matter how it's turned. And the tetrahedron represents the element of fire. It helps to create a balance between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And it also, I found, corresponds with the solar plexus chakra. So that's kind of cool. So if you can find this shape and kind of use it when you're trying to work on your chakras, um, you're trying to work on your solar plexus, on your confidence, anything that goes along with that chakra, you can use that shape too as a, a uh, extra bonus. An example of a tetrahedron, just so you guys can have that picture in your mind, is the pyramids in Egypt. And uh, citrine, agates, and hematite also have, I guess, this kind of structure within them. So that's what I had on the tetrahedron. Nicole, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Nope. Okay. All right. Anything about, did you want to add anything about like the history or the basics before we jump on? Yeah. Um, I just found it interesting how far back this goes. And I, you know, it's, it's been debated, you know, whether they actually knew that this existed or it just happened. You know, if, if this is the basis for all life, if this is the blueprint, then it's no wonder that other people have found it too. But um, they believe that Mozart probably used the golden ratio for his musical compositions. Um, the golden ratio came up a lot. And just to give you a little idea of what that is, is that every part relates to another and that you can continue to divide and subdivide for an eternity. So when you think about cells, you know, you can have this cell, this tiny, tiny cell, and it can divide into more cells and they can divide and they can divide. It just goes on forever. Um, how many places actually have uh, sacred geometry, you know, the pyramids of Giza, the uh, medieval cathedrals, um, there's patterns in certain kinds of um, carpet and Moroccan tiles, um, you know, and I just thought it was interesting how much it really comes up and, and I guess we just don't think about it. And I don't know. I just I just found it really interesting. It goes back all the way to, you know, um, Egypt and Mesopotamia cultures, you know, um, and once just understanding that sacred geometry is there and that everything is connected is kind of like the big step of just um, having, I feel like, more of a connection with spirit. Um, so. I, I just found that interesting. Um, but most of what you said was what I found too. So that's really all I wanted to add to that. Yeah, I think we, we live in this world and you, you just get so caught up in life. You just don't pay attention to those things, you know, and you don't understand it. And, and as you were speaking, I was kind of picturing, obviously these shapes and these things are the basis of existence because 
you couldn't, it's like, you couldn't have a pyramid that was, you know, sitting the other way. <laughs> it's just, that's just not how it works. So we have to use these types of shapes in order to even have the, you know, not an upside down world, I guess, is what I was kind of thinking. So, okay, so we talked about the tetrahedron. So next is the hexahedron. And this is a cube. It's a three-dimensional symbol of grounding energy and focus. It connects you to the energies of earth and nature and it sits flat. So that's how you kind of can think of it as grounding because it really like sits flat to the ground. It, it's firmly rooted wherever it, it kind of goes, wherever it sits. And it's associated with the element of earth. And of course it's uh, associated with the root chakra being that it's such a grounding shape. So some examples of this in uh, structure in nature is for crystals are aquamarine, apatite, and sugalite. So the crystalline structure in them are hexahedrons. Is there anything you wanted to add to the hexahedron? Okay. So the next one is the octah octahedron. And this is a three-dimensional self-reflecting shape. It's represented by the element of air and it's linked to the heart chakra. Um, so of course the heart chakra is the center for love and compassion. And when you can use the octahedron, you are said to be able to connect to the spiritual nature of yourself and kind of giving that like self-love. And some examples of this in nature and crystals that have the octahedral structure are grossular garnet, fluorite, and magnetite, which is kind of fascinating that as I was learning about this, you would think that there would be some kind of connection with the colors since we kind of use crystals for colors in our chakras. So it's kind of cool to find out that, okay, you don't necessarily need to have something that shape if these particular crystals have that structural sacred geometry within them, you can use those even, you know, you don't have to have that specific octahedron or tetrahedron shape. You can use the, the crystalline structure and crystals. Anything for that one that you wanted to add that I missed? Okay. Now the next one is the icosahedron. And this again is a three-dimensional symbol and it encourages you to go with the flow. It allows for creativity and expression to flow effortlessly. It's associated with water, go with the flow. You can think about it that way. And the sacral chakra, which is also water. And it's also obviously um, the creativity center of your energy centers. And through the icosahedron, you're, you're allowing yourself the freedom of expression and the removal of emotional blockages that hold you back. And what's interesting about this one is that does not occur naturally in crystals, apparently, according to my research. Did you find anything different? No. Okay. And then the last one um, of the five platonic solids is the dodecahedron. And again, this is a three-dimensional symbol. It reminds us of our ability to go beyond the physical body and reconnect with that like real true essence of nature. It's associated with the element of ether, which means spirit, if you weren't familiar with that. And of course, it corresponds to the higher chakras, so your third eye and your crown chakra. And again, that does not naturally occur in crystals. So those are the five platonic solids. Did you want to go into some of the additional uh, universal shapes that are out there as well? Okay. 
Yeah, so I found this interesting. And, you know, maybe you've heard of some of these things. Maybe you haven't. Um, one of the things that I ran into was uh, the flower of life. Um, that's a group of seven overlapping circles that form like a flower. Um, it's one of the most well-known shapes in sacred geometry, and it's also an ancient symbol. So it's been around and used for a while. Um, this is thought to be something that you can use for protection. Um, it represents creation, and it also shows how things are connected. I mean, if you think about the severed, seven overlapping circles, that shows that everything is connected. Um, so it represents the divine and a mathematical order in all life. Um, Leonardo da Vinci was very interested in form and mathematical proportions of the flower of life. Um, but the symbols also found in some historical places like the Temple of Osiris in Egypt, the Forbid Forbidden City in China, um, and other sacred sites in Israel and Spain and Japan. Um, and it embodies our life force energy. With the flower of life is also um, the seed of life. Um, this is found within the flower of life. Um, uh, it represents feminine um, and is believed to be the symbol for creation. And if you think about it, it goes along with part with the seven, seven days, seven circles, seven chakras. Um, and, and I thought that that was interesting. It's said to be the blueprint of the universe. And it also um, illustrates mitosis, which we were talking about, if you don't remember, that's cell division. Um, you can think about it with the fertilization of an egg um, and, and how it, it splits off and eventually becomes a human. It's interesting. Um, I found the tree of life also. Um, trees, if you look at a lot of religious text, that is something uh, that is brought up a lot. Um, and it's been around forever. The symbol at the center of, it's the symbol at the center of the mystical Kabbalah tradition. Um, and it also appeared in ancient Egypt. Uh, interesting, the National Mall in Washington, Washington DC was actually constructed in this exact shape. Um, and the symbol is used to depict man's divine unity with the universe and can be understood as a map of the human mind or the psyche. So I found that interesting. Um, the Merkaba, this is something that I heard that I don't really know that I understood what it was. Um, and now that I see it, I, I understand. It's created when two star tetrahedrons are combined, one pointing to the heaven, uh, which is channeling energy down from the universe to the earth, and then one pointing downward, which is drawing the energy up from the earth. Um, it's a light vehicle and it's believed to be used by the ascended masters to connect with and transport to the higher realms. Um, mer means light, Ka means spirit and Ba means body. Uh, so that's how they came up with the word. And this is linked to the Archangel Metatron, who's also attributed to sacred geometry. Um, then we have uh, the Pisces I Trinity, 
which is also part of the Vasika Pisces symbol. Um, it's re representative of the different moon cycles. So waxing, full, and waning moon. Um, it's sacred in various uh, goddess traditions and neo-pagan traditions. Um, and it's a powerful ancient symbol that depicts the sacred trinity and the all-seeing eye. Um, I know that I've, I've seen a bunch of different things where you, you see that eye. So that's a reference point, I guess. Um, and then Metatron's cube. Um, this is the one that I actually associate the most with Archangel Metatron, um, but it's said to symbolize life and creation itself. Um, the spheres represent the feminine and the lines connecting them actually represent the masculine. And this is to show how they work together and create like a unified whole, which is the purpose of us being here is to find a way to work together. Um, and meditating upon this symbol is said to have really profound healing effects because it does contain all the five platonic sides, uh, which means it has all five of the elements, earth, air, water, fire, and ether. Um, the Tibetan knot is another one. It's known as the knot of eternity. It's a powerful symbol in um, Tibetan Buddhism. Um, it represents eternity and wholeness and the interconnectivity of life which I feel like is just a common theme with a lot of the symbols that we're talking about. It, it, all of these things are showing us that life, we're all connected. Um, and as part of the eight auspicious symbols in Buddhism, a variation of this is seen um, with the Celtic knot. So that's something that is attributed to the Tibetan knot. The pentagram, which is a five-pointed star, dates back thousands of years. And I know that the pentagram has had some negative connotations, um, but it didn't start that way. Um, it actually can be seen in various cultures and religions, but now it is most like most associated with a Wicca religion. Um, the five points represent the five senses. Um, it represents the five wounds of Christ, uh, the five platonic sides, um, and even the human body. And then we have the hexagram, which is like the pentagram, but it's a six-pointed star instead of five. Um, it's commonly referred to as the Star of David. It's used in sacred traditions, uh, going all the way back to King Solomon and the Testament, the Old Testament. Um, it symbolizes the ideal meditative state in Hinduism uh, and magical ceremonies. The hexagram can fit inside of a perfect circle, which is interesting. And this symbol is often associated with the heart chakra. Um, we did talk about the platonic sides, and I know these are within those shapes, but um, understanding the meaning of some of our simple shapes like triangles, which are thought to symbolize balance and harmony. Um, the three-sided shape can be related to the body, mind, and spirit, that trinity. Um, and then, uh, this is something that you can actually use when you're making, um, graphs or whatever, when you're meditating on something, you can use the triangle if you need help with balance and stability, um, circles, which have no beginning or end is, um, a symbol of oneness and it's demonstrated by pi, which is the ratio of a circumference of a circle. And that is an irrational number that goes on forever and ever and never repeats, which is interesting. Um, 
spirals are referred to as the Fibonacci sequence. Um, so that is, I believe, the one plus one equals two, and then one plus two equals three. It has that sequence, one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21, and keeps going. Um, so spirals relate to that. It also is the shape of our DNA, and it's how energy is supposed to flow through the chakras. Um, and then sphere is gonna be a little bit different than circle, but it's the simplest and most perfect of all forms. Also an expression of unity, um, contains all the creation of wisdom of creation. Um, everything fits together in perfect proportions. Uh, so that allows you to open up to nature. And so some examples are Gaia, other planets, cells, and seeds. Um, so I also found some, actually 11 different things that you can do with sacred geometry. Um, so here's some practices to try. Uh, you can create a crystal grid. We've talked about crystal grids before, and it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. You don't have to go online and find a certain kind of uh, shape or anything. You just can gather your favorite crystals and arrange them in the form that you want to use. So again, I was talking about the triangle. Um, that's for balance and harmony. It also elevates your consciousness. Um, the square is more for security and stability, and the circle is for oneness. You can use your crystals to form those shapes to help you. And then you would just meditate in front of that shape. And it it can help you get into that meditative state and, and increase those things that you want to increase in your life. Um, there's also uh, to restructure the pattern within the flower of life. So if you're just picturing it or putting it in front of you um, and you're tracing the pattern of life, with your fingers or inside your head. Um, and it can help you with projects and it can help you with wealth. Um, I found this one interesting and I'm not sure how I feel about it, but you can eat a cinnamon roll, they say. And that's supposed to have magical energy that you're placing into that cinnamon roll when you're baking it. And then when you eat it, um, you give it an intention for success or blessings or personal power or luck. Um, and that internalizes that into you. So I'm throwing that out there just as a way woo woo idea, but you know, I thought it was interesting and who doesn't want to send the girl? So, you know, we'll just put it out there. Um, mandalas are something that you can find. Uh, there's actually, I think, coloring books for adults that have them, but you can also find them online. And if you set an intention and color one, uh, not only does coloring provide some stress relief, but it also can help you uh, create and an shifts in your consciousness. Um, so doing that and having intentions like I am powerful or I am healed or new avenues of possibility are everywhere for me now. When you're, when you're coloring, that will help you. Um, you can draw a mandala. Uh, mandala is a Sanskrit word for circle. Um, Drawing mandalas are repetitive and so they're soothing and they can help you get into that meditative state. And so you usually start in the center with a circle and then move outward, adding more circles and swirls and petals, whatever you feel like. That is how you can make your own mandala. Um, then there is uh, ge geometry, sacred geometry yoga. 
So you're combining meditation and yoga and sacred geometry. Um, if you perform a sequence of geometrical asanas or yoga poses while meditating on the shapes, it'll help you heal and release. So um, the arm balance scorpion pose mirrors the sacred shape um, of the golden ratio. The lotus pose um, mirrors interlocking triangles. Um, so these things can help you as well. Um, I kind of got lost in a rabbit hole when I was looking at feng shui and sacred geometry. So this may be a topic in and of itself later, but I just found it interesting. And, and everything that I've been researching lately, it keeps going back to 5,000 years ago. 5,000 years ago, the ancient Chinese recognized feng shui. 5,000 years ago, um, he, they talked a lot about different things that happen in sacred geometry. Um, I we're doing some research on uh, energy med medicines and um, that was referenced a lot in the different systems. So I just, for whatever reason- That's I'm when the aliens, to, that's when the aliens came. Yeah, to give <laughs> us the knowledge that we didn't have as humans. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how many times 5,000 years came up in my research. So there's definitely something to that. Um, if you look at uh, certain things, especially in China, Ch Chinese things, uh, palaces and temples um, use the sacred geometry. And then they also used feng shui to put things in certain places. And since it was so powerful, only the emperors and the royal family could actually use this. Um, now it's become something that while is in depth and can be a little bit uh, mind-blowing. Um, it is interesting that there are things that you can do. So um, if you want to activate your luck, you can place a metal tray or a globe in the northwest sector of your home, and it's going to attract helpful people and mentors into your life. Um, you can place a wavy object or something of water, like a fountain, um, into the north sector, and that's supposed to help you with your career. Like if you aren't sure what to do in your current career, this could help you. Um, if you place a square, which is an earth element in the Northeast sector, it's good for education. Um, if you place a circle or an oval object in the Northwest sector, that's also good for mentors and helpful people. Um, placing a triangle, which is a fire element in the South sector is good for recognition and fame. Um, so you could use something like a pyramid-shaped candle. Um, and then using a rectangular object, usually made out of wood, in the southeastern corner of your home is good for health and wealth. Um, so you could place a wooden box um, or anything like that. Uh, so you can actually meditate, just simply get online, print out some pictures of the different sacred shapes, and um, that will create internal harmony within yourself. It will help you on your healing journey. Um, sacred geometry symbols are supposed to be the teachers of the soul. Um, so holding a few different symbols while you're meditating is supposed to be a really good tool to use. Um, the Merkaba meditation uh, will help you provide a deep spiritual and energetic purification. It's going to shift your, shift your vibration over time. So doing this more than once is actually really good for you. 
Oh, and there's something uh, called the Sri, Sri Yantra Gaze Meditation. Um, the Sri Yantra is the symbol for the great divine and mother principle. It's the source of all energy, power, and create creativity. Um, so you can place this at eye level and then you sit quietly and you kind of focus your attention on that symbol and relax. And that's supposed to be helpful for you too. So two things I wanna go back to, um, just to kind of give us a more simple way to understand sacred geometry in our life is to kind of see it in nature because nature offers so much sacred geometry that we see it and we don't even realize we're seeing it. Um, so like, if you look at a snowflake, snowflakes, if you really saw it under a microscope are actually full of different shapes that are put together. And no snowflake is the same, but I just find it absolutely crazy when I see a snowflake and it actually looks like someone drew the snowflake. I don't know. It's just, it's mind boggling to me that when you see one, it actually, I don't know. It's just crazy that nature is amazing. Um, the sunflower is actually the same where it has a center with all the sunflower seeds and um, and then the petals that go on the outside. Uh, you can find spirals um, in the hexagons of a beehive. You can find it inside a shell, the outside of a shell. Um, you can look at um, spider webs. Um, I found it interesting too that Every plant blossoms and grows in accordance with the Fibonacci sequence. I don't exactly know what that means, but just the fact that there is something that we know and it, it grows in this way that has to do with math. And you just think math is stupid. It gets on my nerves. Why do we have to learn it? And I'm not saying you have to learn it to understand this stuff, but it is mind blowing to see how math shows up in our life all the time and is part of this communication that we could have with spirit. Um, pine cones also represent the Fibonacci sequence, sequence. So when you count them in either direction, um, the spiraling scare, scales come down to the Fibonacci numbers. And I thought that was crystals. There's tons of crystals that are naturally formed in their uh, geometric formations. Um, fish scales, turtle skin, um, alligator skin, thinking about our DNA and the double helix, which is the blueprint of life. I mean, that that is something so tiny and it is, you know, um, it's part of the Fibonacci sequence. It's part of a spiral. I mean, it's part of symmetry um, and peacock feathers. If you, the right hand and the left hand and peacock feathers spiral to match the golden ratio. I don't know. It's just mind blowing. You can also look at water um, because water shape shifts and according to accordance to vibration. So you can actually see, I turned on my garbage disposal and I had something next to it that had water in it. And it was, it was cool to see the pattern that it created on top. Um, and then galaxies obviously form a golden spiral. Um, where I really I got lost and also found it interesting was when I started looking up sacred geometry and music. Um, when we blend certain notes, we can tell that they go together because they're harmonious. Um, so we're hearing the vibrations and, and these harmonious sounds are actually mathematical. Um, 
you can even think about sound healing and sound baths. Uh, I think we had talked in one of our podcasts about certain frequencies um, are supposed to be good for healing. 432 hertz comes up a lot. Um, that's a really powerful number. Um, and you can use music to help you, you know, fast tempos make you feel energized, slow tempos make you feel calm. Um, so basically music of the Western world is part of a mathematical system based on 12s. And so an octave of music is divided even, evenly into 12 semitones. And then you can take a mirror and put it in the middle of a piano and you can actually see that they're mirror images of each other, D flat and E flat, C and E, B and F, B flat and G flat, and A and G. And then the A flat and D are reflections of each other, which is that center that you put the mirror at. And then all these numbers, um, Tibetan bowls and ancient flute-like symptoms were in a tuning system that was actually tuned to 432 Hertz. So why was that the number? In uh, talking about our shapes, um, if you look at shapes and you add up the angles for the shapes, like a triangle always adds up to 180 and a square and a circle is 360 and a pentagon is 540 and a hexagon is 720 and a heptagon is 900 and an octagon is 1080. These numbers repeat and they show up in a lot of different places other than in the shape. So I, I don't know. I just... I, music, I could just go on forever, and I don't understand all of it, but um, I do think it's interesting. If you understood it, I think that it would help you really see how much sacred geometry is in everything. You can look at shapes, you can hear it in music, you can see it in art. We look at art and we like certain art or we like certain faces, and that's based on it being symmetrical. Um, we're attuned to things that are symmetrical. So I don't know. I just found just found all that interesting. Um, do you have anything to add to that, Denise? I was just thinking maybe that's why they can't create anything new anymore. Yes. Because everything is already based off of this certain set of things and it's just all it's just sounds right and we just have to keep basically remixing it, but it's the same. I mean, everything's yes. been invented, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I, it is still amazing how people can still come out with music that we've never heard of before. That seems like it's a little bit different. I mean, right. but yes, you're right. I mean, there is, you hear about it all the time. People trying to sue somebody for, you know, use, stealing their music or whatever. But if you think about it, it, it all is kind of the same. You know, it's you all can based on, yeah, it's all like the basis of, of one thing. Yes. And so if that's the case, you know, you can't get mad at somebody, I guess. I mean, you can, right. I guess you can change it up a little bit, but anyways, yeah, no, I, that was a lot of information, a lot of good information that I didn't find. Um, I was thinking I, I have to tie this back in because I, you know how I love synchronicities. So have you heard of the woman, Elizabeth Holmes? There's a podcast about her called The Dropout and there's a Hulu show about her called The Dropout. So no. she's this, she's this woman who created this company and she, 
she was trying to really change like the healthcare industry and change, like be like a real disruptor in the healthcare industry. And she, she had this great vision, but she got caught up in trying to keep it alive when it was, when it wasn't going anywhere, really. Like she really didn't have the technology, but she kept making people believe that she did. And she kept taking all this money in, um, to keep the, the hope alive anyways. So I'm watching an episode last night and the episode, she makes her, um, her logo, the tree of life. And like, I had just learned about it because I was researching it for this show. And I'm like, that's so weird. It is. But, but yeah, there's reasons behind why she chose it too, you know, cause it is the basis for life. And she, her thing was dealing with blood and, and trying to help people kind of do blood tests. But anyways, I had just had to add that little piece of synchronicity. But other than that, I mean, you did a great job summing it up and I don't have anything else to, to add to sacred geometry. Okay. Me either. It's a very in-depth topic. You could come down all kinds of wormholes and, and just see how much it, there is about it. You know, we're just touching on some of the basic things. Yep. Exactly. All righty. Well, I think that is uh, all for this podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss another. If you feel called to do so, please give us a five-star rating. This helps our podcast reach a broader community and enlighten more souls.